thankful for the ministry of his spirit in this place tonight. Glad you're here. Why don't you, now don't get out of your seat and start moving around, but why don't you reach over, shake somebody's hand, or turn around, shake somebody's hand. I get you moving around, we'll never get you back. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your great grace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your great grace. Thank you, Lord, for your great grace. Thank you, Lord, for your great grace. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. You can be seated if you'd like to. It's good to be back home in Yakima and Selah. Amen. Amen, it is good. Praise God. Amen. Thank you for your many prayers. The Lord is working in the congregation there in Twin Falls and with Brother and Sister Johns, and they send their appreciation and their love and keep them in prayer. We are believing that after they released him from the hospital on Sunday afternoon that he's not going back in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, so continue to hold them up in prayer, and uh, amen. You know, it's interesting, we were, he and I were visiting, I, I, I told his wife, I said, man, tell him he can rest, we don't need to, he's like, oh no, he won't, he'll want to, they let him out of the hospital, he's going to want to, and because uh, the plan was to go to the hospital, because he wasn't expected to be released until later Monday at the earliest um, but we really believe the Lord stepped in and know that he did. And so he sent a text during church to his dad that said, they told me I can leave today. And so we rejoiced there after the close of service. And But anyway, we were talking about that. And he's like, man, I'm ready for all this to be over. And I said, man, I, I can only imagine. And uh, of course, they were they were thankful for support of Life Church, and of course there's been, Brother Loxamana has made trips there, Brother Johnstone has made trips there uh, back in December, was it December, I lost track, no it wasn't December, November, I think, October, somewhere in there, Bishop made a trip back there after Call to War, <laughs> I think October, and so, um, but in our discussion sitting there after service Sunday night with Brother and Sister Johns and they were just expressing their thanks for all that. And he said, you know, but I'm ready to be done with all this. And I said, you know, what if part of all this was just the Lord orchestrating these things because of the his desire to bring connection in the body of Christ? And I, I said, let me ask you a question. I said, if if this hadn't taken place this way, would you have reached out and sought to invite these different ones over these past two months, three months? He said, no, I wouldn't have done it like this. <laughs> I said, well, and so they're precious people, and uh, so continue to hold them up in prayer. I um, Acts chapter number 8. 
familiar passage of Scripture. I go backwards and then forward and. of the Spirit of God. Praise God. We've shared this passage of Scripture before. We've talked about it a lot. Um, Acts 8 and 26 says, the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, and he said, arise, go toward the south, to the way that goes down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Verse 27 still amazes me. He arose and went. I mean, I know that's only four words. Do you realize the beauty of that passage of Scripture right there? And he arose and went. He responded, not knowing why he was responding, other than he was trusting the word of God and obeying the word of God. Obviously, we know the rest of the story, verse 27 And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning, sitting in his chariot. He read Isaiah the prophet. The spirit said to Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. Philip ran thither to him, heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you read? He said, how can I accept? Some man should guide me. Here is an individual in the word of God. And they are reading the word of God. They obviously have some some degree of hunger, desire for the word of God. I'm going to go so far as to say a relationship with God to know God. But they don't understand what they're reading. I wonder how many people every day open the word of God. Searching the scripture of God. And don't understand what they're reading. And are waiting for some man or woman to guide them. And... The Lord knew when the Ethiopian eunuch was going to be ready. I mean, I've read this many times. I've never paid attention to this. He had been in Jerusalem worshiping. And he was heading back to Ethiopia. Why didn't somebody in Jerusalem connect with this guy? I mean, you understand, we're in Acts chapter number 8. 
Jerusalem is where 3,000 were added and then 5,000 were added. So we know there's at least 8,120 souls beside Philip that know this truth that are in Jerusalem. 8,001, maybe, sorry, 8,119. Philip maybe was one of those. I don't know. He said he's number 120. I, you understand, there's over 8,000 spirit filled walking in the apostles' doctrine, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. And he had been there. And it wasn't like he had been there, you know, going to the market and buying spices. I don't know what they did there in the market. He wasn't there buying stuff. He was there for a purpose. He had been there to worship. That was the reason he went. He understood there's something in Jerusalem. Now, I could look at this in the natural, and I could think, Man, the Lord is working on him. This is a man that's in the Word, and now he's in Jerusalem where God has just poured out his Spirit. What great timing. The Lord has drawn him there. And there's no evidence that anyone in Jerusalem that was a believer connected with him. Man, the church in Jerusalem was lacking. No. God had a plan to bring a man in connection to him and to bring them together. See, we can so easily look at situations and say, well, this must be the way it's supposed to be. I mean, if he's in Jerusalem, something should happen there. But apparently not. But God had a plan to get a hold of him and to get a hold of him when he's in the middle of the desert. Why? I don't know why. Because we don't see any more about the Ethiopian eunuch after this. I don't know if him and Philip stayed in touch. I don't know. All I know is God ordained that meeting. God ordained that time in the desert between these two men. And he had prepared Philip for that moment. And he had him, that Ethiopian eunuch, open the scripture and begin to read at that place, at that moment. God orchestrated that. Philip wasn't out in the desert going, well, I'm just going to knock doors and see who opens up. Wasn't any doors out there to knock, I don't guess. God orchestrated that event. I'm afraid we put too much energy and effort and thought into putting together a plan to reach people. Because I've been reading the book of Acts again and again the last month. And everything I read says God divinely orchestrated every connection that I find there. There wasn't one where Peter went hoping to find somebody that would listen to the message. There wasn't one where they went hoping to find somebody. I read in Acts chapter 16 where there were some disciples hoping to go somewhere and spread the gospel. And the Spirit said, uh, no, you can't go there. No, but we've got a noble cause. We want to go spread the gospel. No, the Spirit forbade them, it says. 
And so they recognized that, and they said, okay, we'll go over here. You can read it in Acts chapter 16. They said, we'll go to Bithynia. We'll go to, I don't remember the other place. And they were determined to go. They had a good motive. They had a noble motive. They believed the gospel. They wanted to go share it with somebody. And the Holy Ghost said, no. The Holy Ghost closed the door spiritually. And they said, okay. And so they go to a place of prayer. And it would seem, it wouldn't seem, it did happen. In a place of prayer, the Lord comes and, and the man of God, I believe it was Paul, right, in Acts 16, he sees a vision. And in the vision, he sees a Macedonian man saying, come hither. And I love the way that scripture reads. Paul says, so we determined that the Spirit was asking us to go to Macedonia. If you tried to go somewhere and the Holy Ghost said, uh, no. And then you tried to go, so you, and the Holy Ghost said, no. And then the Spirit gave you a vision of a man in a specific place. Don't you think you'd go with a little confidence that once you got there, God was going to do something? Instead of hoping? And so they went. Now, it's interesting, he had the discernment that he saw a man in the vision, but the first person the Lord connected to them to was a woman by the river who was praying. Notice, she was already in a place of seeking God. And he con they connected to her, and she said, why don't you come to my house? And you know the rest of the story. And you can walk through the book of Acts. We find Paul and Silas in a jail cell. You mean God would send me to jail? Well, he must have a plan. Paul and Silas are in a jail cell, and they start, take note, worshiping God. Worship, little side note here. I've been, I was also reading in Genesis about Abraham. Abraham took his only son whom he loved, the Bible says, in Genesis 22. And he took him and he said, told them, he said, me and my boy, are, we're going to go yonder and we're going to worship. He was getting ready to put him on an altar of sacrifice. And the boy on the way up the hill, you know this story, right? The boy on the way up the hill says, uh, Dad, we've got wood and we've got a fire, uh, but where is the sacrifice? He understood something. He understood wood to build an altar and fire to burn on the altar never happens without a sacrifice. Doesn't happen without a sacrifice. I want fire to come into my life so that it begins. I begin to be led by the Spirit. I can have an... We're going to jump back over here in a second. but I can have an altar in my home and never have fire on it if there's no sacrifice on the altar. Because everything I read in Scripture, the Lord never put fire on the altar without a sacrifice on the altar. And so... We find these men, it would seem like a sacrifice, that they're locked up in a prison cell. But they begin to worship. In the time of worship, Abraham in the time of sacrifice found a place of worship. And in worship, the Lord began to break bonds that held them captive. And that became a testimony. To, well, the jailer gets shook up because not when they begin to worship, it didn't just break their bonds. Worship, read the scripture in Acts. Everyone that was bound in that prison was set free. 
when two men began to worship. And when they began to worship, the jailer saw what was happening and he ran and he was going to kill himself out of fear. But all of a sudden, Paul recognized something. Oh, this is a connection we were ordained to have. God, this is why God brought us here. This is why we're in this prison cell. There's the connection we were waiting on. Don't do yourself any harm. We're all here. And he comes in. And notice this turn. The Philippian jailer takes them and washes their wounds. Takes them to his house. I don't know how that protocol worked. But he took them to his house. And before Paul and Silas were done, the man and his entire house were baptized. telling you he's wanting to connect you and I with people and he doesn't have to he doesn't expect us to produce it to make it happen he's simply saying if you'll get in fellowship with me if you'll get in tune with where I'm leading and how I'm leading I'll bring you in divine relationship I'll order these things and I'm already preparing them I've been preparing you and it's time for you to recognize these connections I'm bringing to you I have to speak the word with boldness you keep Reading and you find these again and again and again and again. All of them aren't always as clear. Sometimes we will be anointed or feel the unction of the spirit or we'll be speaking and we'll realize, man. I don't mean in church. I mean, in the workplace, in a marketplace and. In a coffee shop with a group of people. And I'm remembering a few years ago when my son and I were in Italy on a train with Brother Pedro. And the three of us were sitting there in a four-seat area looking at each other, talking. And we were talking about the Lord. And our conversation was going that way. And I don't remember. I just know we were talking about the Lord. I don't know what we were. I don't remember the conversation now. But anyway. And it was... Brother Pedro calls it the milker train because it stops at every stop along the way like an old milk truck. And so we stopped at one of these stations. Remember the name of it started with a B. But anyway, this young lady gets on the train and sits down across the aisle in the four-seat section there across from us. And so obviously the three of us are conversing in English. And we're feeling a witness. And you know what it is when you get with... Members of the body of Christ, you start talking about the word and things of God, and you're feeling a flow. And hear me, when that's happening, there can't be people around you unaffected. And so we're talking, and my, my son and brother Pedro are sitting across from each other, and I'm one in from them. And so because I'm one in, I'm sort of having to turn to see them and be in this conversation. And I'm looking across the aisle, and I see this young lady, and I see. She's went from sitting up straight to leaning on the armrest into the aisle to sort of leaning forward. And I'm like, she's listening to our conversation. She's trying to hear. And I'm thinking, I wonder if she's definitely, I mean, I'm pretty sure she's Italian. I don't know, you know, whatever. And so it's like all of a sudden it was all she could take. And she says, excuse me. 
in her broken English, but she spoke enough English. She says, excuse me, I, I thought I heard you talking about Jesus. That was her words. And so the conversation ensued from there. Turns out her dad is a minister in this city where she would got on the train from. It ended up being a connection for Brother Pedro to go back there and reach back to. What was it? I'm telling you, you and I, when we're wherever God wants us to be and we begin communication and conversation, the Lord can bring someone into the picture that He's wanting to connect. And so sometimes it happens that way. We don't always go, okay, who's the next person? We, get, we can get caught up in that. Who's the next one? No, it doesn't work that way. Matter of fact, that's sort of borderline witchcraft maybe if you start doing that. That's divination. No, really, you start crossing over because you start sort of feeling after stuff like that. Going this ooh and ah stuff. I promise you the enemy will come along and start playing games with you. And versus just let the Lord order the steps. Be in a closet of prayer. Be in the Word. Be in fellowship. with, And He'll bring these things. Now, we find in Acts chapter 7, I shared this with Brother Flowers a couple of uh, last week because I got to hear part of what he administered a couple of Sundays ago. And it registered in my spirit. And I was so excited about it, I was telling him about it. And in Acts chapter number 7, we read Stephen going through his story, right? And he tells the whole testimony from Moses all the way up to Christ. And he's finally had enough. The Holy Ghost is rising up. All of those religious leaders, scribes and Pharisees, whoever all they are, they're hearing him. And we know from earlier in chapter 6, they can't resist the wisdom with which he spake, the Scripture says. And so he's sharing these things. He's sharing these things. Maybe not even knowing why. Maybe he's thinking, they don't care. I'm not going to convince them. But there's an unction of the Spirit of God that's upon him. And so he's declaring these things. And they're listening. And so he's declaring these things. And finally the Holy Ghost rises up and says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised. You do always resist the Holy Ghost. But he makes a statement along the way before he gets there. When he's talking about the Lord, he says, you understand the Lord doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. And he goes on through and when he calls them stiff-necked and uncircumcised, that's all they can take. And the scripture says they laid hold on him and they drug him out of the city and they stoned him. That's what it says. In Acts chapter 8, we find Philip in Samaria and then him... And it would almost seem like Philip, Philip, it would almost seem like Stephen had spent that chapter declaring the word of God and that it was fruitless. What was, I mean, you can look back before that to his ministry. It says he did miracles, signs, wonders. He spoke with wisdom. But there it would seem like when the anointing of God was upon him as powerfully as it had ever been, and he declares all those things. We don't have any indicator that any of those hearing the word, those scribes, Pharisees, high priests, when we read chapter 7, there's no indicator in chapter 7 that any of them responded to the utterance of the word of God. But Isaiah 55 tells us that the word of God will not return void. It will accomplish what I sent it to do. And so there's some disconnect we've got to find where the, the Lord was reaching for somebody. Of course, Acts chapter 8 does start by saying, 
And a young man, Saul, was standing by and consenting unto his death. You know what I believe? I believe Saul, who had sat at the feet of Gamaliel studying scripture, who knew the word and could relate to everything Stephen had shared because he knew the scripture. He was of the tribe of Benjamin, of a Pharisee, of the Pharisees concerning the law. He was perfect. So he knew everything that Stephen was saying. And it was penetrating his spirit. And it caused something to rise up in him that made him want to persecute the church more. But he couldn't get away from the living word of God. The living word of God. I believe that thing turning in his heart was these words. He dwells in a temple. in a temple I think maybe Paul laid down at night and it turned in his head dwells in a temple what is that boy talking about he dwells in he died with such peace what does he mean it turned and on the road to Damascus we know the story why didn't God deal with him that day in Jerusalem he lived in Jerusalem why did he take him to Damascus there was a man Ananias there yeah, but why did he just do it in Jerusalem? That's where Paul lived. I mean, he was there in the synagogue regularly. And we know that people went there to pray regularly. And I'm sure he did too, based on who he was. How come it never came? Because the Lord knew what he was doing. The Lord had a plan for that man's life. And he had a plan to connect Ananias with him. And he knew what he was going to do. He knew he was going to strike him on the road that day. But he had planted a seed through Stephen's word in Acts chapter 7. And by the time you get to Acts chapter 17, the Apostle Paul, who he's now the Apostle Paul, he's standing on Mars Hill and he's declaring the word of God, much like Stephen was. He's declaring the word of God those, to those who are looking for some new thing. They're caught up in the world of their day or the cares of that day. And he's declaring these things to them. And we find the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 17. He makes a statement. And he quotes Stephen. And he says to those there on Mars Hill. He doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. Stephen was where he was supposed to be. Stephen said what he was supposed to say. And I believe the word got into the heart it was supposed to get into. Stephen never saw the fulfillment of it. But God had prepared a man to get connected with a woman. And it's throughout the book of Acts. And we are a continuation of the book of Acts church. We are called to live and walk in this. And I tell you, God is ready for us to do so. He's ready to do it now. We should expect it every day that we live. I was, I'm losing track of time, not tonight, I mean in the weeks. Um, a week and a half ago on a Monday, I had flew back in from Twin Falls and was in work in Olympia. And I had a meeting uh, with a group of people sort of planning out some stuff 
And so we meet up in this conference room and we were waiting on others to show up that were that were coming. So I'm sitting there across the table uh, from a co-worker. And, you know, on Monday, what people always say, right? How was your weekend? Do they, do they do that where you the circles you move in? Yeah, yeah. So it's great. So and if they don't bring it up, I'll usually ask them because generally they'll reciprocate. Right. It's a great conversation starter. Right. So how was your weekend? Da, 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 da. So she says, how was yours? I said, I was in Twin Falls all weekend. It's like, like Idaho, Twin Falls. Yeah, I flew back in this morning. Really? What's in Twin Falls? She said. And so I began to tell her Brother John's story. Now, no, I'm sorry. I didn't say, oh, I was there preaching in a church Sunday morning and Sunday night. Understand? I'm trying to reach to her where she is. I'm not trying to take her into a church service and convince her of where I am. It's about her. It's not about me. And so she says, what's in Twin Falls? I said, well, I have, uh, we have some friends in Twin Falls. And uh, I said, but they've been going through a rough patch. And so I told her the story. I said, well, back in. And told the story of his severe fibromyalgia and going to the Mayo Clinic. And she got it in real short order because I, I was, I was, this is what I was thinking in my mind. Lord, delay those other people. Keep them late. Keep them late. Keep them late. We got a flow right here. Keep them late, Lord. Keep them late. So I was telling her that story. And uh, I said, you know, Lord, completely good. She's sitting there. I mean, it didn't literally happen, but I was waiting for it too. She, it's like her jaw was about to hit the table. She's like, really? She said, that's miraculous. I said, it is, isn't it? And so then I shared what he'd gone through with his stroke and how already the Lord had brought swift recovery and what the Lord was doing there. And uh, she was like, wow. That's all she could say. Wow. And then other people showed up. And that was that. There's been a couple of times since then where I've gone to a place of prayer and I've just known the Lord is stirring that in her spirit. Something in her spirit planted by the Holy Ghost is going, man, I don't hear that about people's weekends too often. Going, man, what is that? What's you understand when we speak under the utterance and the anointing of the spirit of God? There is something that is transmitted in the spirit and it is transmitted into a heart that's hungry and a heart that's searching. And everyone doesn't all. It would be great if they went around with a sign over there that said, I'm hungry, I'm searching, talk to me. But they don't do that. And we look for that. And what we've got to do is just go, Lord, order my steps today. Direct my thoughts today. I know there's somebody that you want to connect me to. And so I trust you in that. I don't have to have it figured out. I don't have to know how, when, why. Just, Lord, direct my steps today. And when you do, I'll say what you give me to say. Quit disqualifying yourself. 
quit saying, well, I need to understand more of the Scripture. I need to know. No, you need to be filled with the Spirit. You need to have an altar with a sacrifice on it where the fire falls. And then you need to go about your day and let His Word be in your mouth. He will direct the steps. He'll give those connections. Hear me. We've said this before, but it bears repeating since we're having this conversation tonight. We don't need to be going, I hope I can invite them to church somewhere along the way. That's not the goal. The goal is to get them to be born into the church and let him set them where he wants them. Let him set them where he wants them. He places members in the body as it pleases him. Let him do it. Why don't you stand with me? Come on, if you desire to walk in this, why don't you reach to him right now with me? He's inviting you. Come on, the qualifier is availability. In the name of Jesus. Come on, why don't you get out of the seat where you are if you like. I'm going to open this altar to you. Come on, the Lord's wanting to quicken his word in your spirit. He's wanting to quicken his word in your spirit. You're not coming begging and pleading for something. You're coming to receive what he would impart, to align yourself with what he's wanting to do, to align yourself with what he's calling, with what he's doing. Come on, the time is now. The time is now. Come on in, there's room. Come on, it's his desire with every spirit-filled believer. It's his desire with every spirit-filled believer.
Praise God, praise God, praise God. I'm glad you've come to the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. I was in a conversation with a man Sunday. He was asking about walking and some things like this. He began to talk about praying and prayer. And it didn't take long to realize he spent time in prayer daily. So he was struggling with what the disconnect was. As we talked a little more, turns out his time spent in prayer daily was prayer for self, prayer for his own needs, prayer for his own walk, prayer for... It was somewhere along the way, the prayer has to shift from praying for my needs, my things, me being sent, and just fellowshipping the Lord. And praying his will into the earth. And getting in tune with him. And then, and praying for situations we'll go into as the Lord leads. Letting him change that prayer. Amen. It'll make a difference. I think that's important for somebody. Examine what your time in prayer sounds like. Where the focus is. It'll be important as the Lord leads us in these things. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Greet somebody. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.